Hello, my name is Christopher Monroe, and welcome to the soundtrack to a life. Soundtrack to Life. <laughs> this is the second time we've done this. <laughs> that is correct. I am Chris. I have always been Chris, and I will so forever be. With me is Andy. Andy, how are you doing? Uh, I'm good, other than the random buzzing. The buzzing is great. If you hear it, then I haven't edited properly. And there's a good chance that you will hear it. <laughs> what you been doing since we saw you last? Um. Well, I'm officially done high school. Thank Christ. So that was a whole ordeal. Twelve years of my life down the drain. Goodbye. But uh, now I'm actually prepping to move into a shared accommodations place for university down in Lethbridge, which is terrifying. First time out of your parents' house. Yeah. That is always fun. Well, it's better than Germany, what I was thinking when I first started. I still think Germany would have been... No. <laughs> no. And Andy and I are here today discussing... Carter USM's 1991 album, 30-something. Carter USM are back, baby! <laughs> Carter USM are back because Carter USM's first three, arguably four, potentially five albums are classics that are well worth digging into. They'll be back again after this, too. I could talk about them endlessly. Carter USM are back because they were a cultural moment that left less of a footprint than they deserved, and it's up to those of us who care about them to spread the word. Carter USM are back, because they're good, and I like them, and I like to talk about them, and because it's my show, and I can talk about whatever I like. And frankly, what's the point of hosting a show like this if I can't bully my friends into listening to Carter USM? Carter USM are back, because more than any other band, they left a mark on me. This hit me at a formative age, and it's stuck with me ever since. And when I close my eyes and picture what an indie band ought to look like, what attitude it ought to have, the picture that comes to mind for me is one of Carter USM. And, perhaps most importantly, Carter USM are back because you showed me your first punk band, and it seems only fair that I show you mine. All art is a conversation, after all, and all conversation is about art. I'm not sure that that second part is true. 30-something is Carter USM's second album, and it sounds like one in all the best ways. Given both more money and time to record, this is the record on which Jim Bob and Fruit Bat are allowed to stretch out and finds them more confident in the studio and more sure of themselves, without sacrificing the sense of wit and play and throttle that made their debut such an engrossing listen the year previous. This is a band who knows they're getting reviewed, who has tasted success, but that hasn't yet had the time to let success go to their heads. 30-something is a record by a band who haven't had time to let success change them, who responded to the first small tastes of success by doubling down on everything that made them great in the first place. The sound of a band that are their own authentic selves, only more so. It's Carter USM on the upswing, the midpoint between their humble beginnings and bonafide pop stardom. It is, I think, the most Carter USM record. If 101 Damnations is the work of scrappy underdogs propelled entirely by self-belief, 30-something is the sound of a band that's finally starting to see the fruits of that belief. It's the sound of a band realizing that, maybe, just maybe, this whole project might be a thing that people actually get on board with. 
And they did. A few did, anyway. And I'm glad of that. So, Andy, you'd never heard 30-something by Carter the Unstoppable Sex Machine. And now you have. Tell me, what do you think? It's an experience, I can definitely say that, um, listening to it. When I had to start listening to it, when I had time to actually listen to it, I was in a weird place, because I was kind of, like, not wanting to be around people, but also hating, like, the loneliness of being away from people. Oh, yeah, I know that feeling. Yeah, and so I was listening to it, and I was like, okay, okay. And it kind of just, like, blurred in my mind, basically. Like, it's a wonderful album to have playing in the background while you're doing literally anything and just letting it happen. Though, like, there's one song that stands out most for me from my listening, which was the Shopper's Paradise. Because you hear the first couple of notes and you're like, whoa, whoa, what's going on here? Am I in a shopping mall? But then there's, like, also, because I ended up listening to the deluxe version, which had live stuff, which was also a really nice experience. But I also ended up hearing the uh, Christmas Shoppers in Paradise, which the first time I heard it, I was like, did I accidentally put this on shuffle? Like, what's going on here? It's like a weird thing to put. But I think that's really cool that they went out there and put two of the same songs, just different variations on there. Yeah, I was surprised re-listening to it myself. The deluxe version on Spotify is very long. Yeah, it's like 33 songs. Yeah, it's, uh, it's the album, obviously. B-sides from this period and an entire live album that they recorded to the BBC. And it's two solid hours. And I actually was surprised at how well that held up for me. Yeah, I feel that too. For me, it was like, oh, I'm driving back eight hours from BC, so I might as well listen to a two hour long album. Ooh, that's the best time for that, actually. Yeah, yeah. That's how I got all of my listening done, took all the notes, because I just had so much time. The original um, 1991 release, the final track, was The Final Come Down. Mm. If you want to listen to it as it came out at the time, mm-hmm. uh, that is the track to cut off at. Okay. But really, get some B-sides in there. Yeah. Listen to a live record. Yeah. The band was fun live. Yeah. Live bands are great, honestly. Like, if thinking about it, and like, a more modern live band that I can think about is like, Metric. Because they were recently here in July, and, like, I got to see them for Stampede, which was amazing, because I've grown up with Metric. Metric like, was very good. How yeah. Was, that was a great show. It was so amazing, because compared to, like, a year ago when I went and saw Billy Talent for uh, Stampede, with Billy Talent, it was, like, my first time I was doing anything big for the Coke stage that I wanted to see. So I was like, it has to be perfect, blah, blah, blah. And, like, I forced myself into a situation that kind of made me uncomfortable looking back on it. Though I did enjoy myself, it was like more of, okay, let's make sure I don't get punched in the face by being in the mosh pit. Because I was pretty small at that time. But with Metric, I was like, as long as I can see the screen, I'm not against standing in the back. And it was really nice. Like, we had our own space. And Metric, like, I think it's uh, fairly agreeable with most Metric fans that Synthetica was their last really good album. And then it kind of dropped off Pagans in Vegas. But I was listening to all of their new music as prep for the concert. And their newest album's actually really good. And then I heard them play some Pagans in Vegas music live. And I was like, they're a band you should listen to live before you make your opinions on any of their albums. That is frequently the case. Yeah. Speaking of the You Fat Bastard chant. Yeah, that was pretty funny. That is a thing that happened at the top. Every concert? Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Just some number of people screaming, You Fat Bastard. Is that their encore, too? (laughs) (laughs) Screaming, You Fat Bastard. Do you think ever, ever at some point they were just so, like, not actually thinking about it that they're like, that actually hurts their feelings, guys? No, because they were introduced by a fat bastard. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that um, makes sense. 
John Beast would come up and scream about how excited people should be. Yeah. About the fact that they are now receiving the privilege of watching Carter USM play. <laughs> oh. Frequently in some kind of state of undress. Oh, wow. While the crowd chanted at him. Yeah. Well, like, if you listen to the live album, you hear that. They're, like, talking to him. It's like, it's so wonderful. And they're in London to finish off a great tour. And I'm like, yeah, this is intense. But it sounds like fun. Like, I'd want to be in the crowd for that. Yeah, this was an interesting style of music. Yeah, definitely. To watch live. Because there's some songs where you're like, oh, I can, I can like, envision how this is played live. But then there's other songs where you're like, how many band members are there again? Two. Holy shit. <laughs> like, and you listen to some of the stuff going on and you're like, they're either really good with their looping pedals or they have some pre-made tracks. There are uh, pre-made tracks. Mm-hmm. There are drum machine tracks. Mm-hmm. And then the two of them play uh, guitars. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's a thing I could do. Like, I could do that if I found another guitarist and we found a drum machine. And like, okay, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, they um, would later bring in more live instruments. Here, it's all assembled music, and then live they would play to tapes. On one of their live albums, later on from one of their reunion shows, they lose track of the tape halfway through. Oh, no. <laughs> They kept that in, I'm assuming. Absolutely. Uh, I gotta figure, we gotta find that then, because I want to hear that. That yeah, sounds was... like the best, because, like, as a person who has messed up in a live performance and, like, lost track of what chord I'm playing, because I get so caught up in, like, just enjoying how people are enjoying my music, that I'm like, this is nice. Oh, shit, I'm supposed to sing here. Yeah, and that's without a thing that you really have to keep the pace to. Yeah. It was great, because it was their last show of a reunion Oh wow. set of gigs. So they finished it and then got into the mic. Well, that was the last time we'll ever play this song. And we fucked it up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I get that. I get that. I feel like that's happened in a lot of band shows for myself. Actual, like, concert band, symphonic band is like, well, that's the last time we're playing that. Shit! (laughs) That was not a good version of that. I'll never get a second shot at this. Especially in concerts. Like, oh my god, the stress is high. And then, like, you hear someone squeak and you're like, well, it's gone down. (laughs) We're screwed. In one squeak, it's the funniest. Yep. And yeah, they have to play the tapes. They've sampled uh, Michael Caine from the movie (laughs) Alfie. They've sampled the gentleman who plays Rimmer on Red Dwarf. They can't very well get those people to follow them around on tour. No, but I feel like that's... It's a, you can dream, honestly. It's very true. Yeah, like, they hit the high enough stardom where this person's like, I've got nothing better to do, let's go on tour with this band. I'm told they almost got rumored for one, oh, of, the, uh, really? for one of the rounds of reunion gigs. Damn, that'd have been cool. I know more about the mechanics of this band <laughs> than when I forced Daniel to listen to them, because in the time since I've recorded that episode a year ago, I've read Jim Bob from Carter's two books, Good Night, Jim Bob, and In the Shadow of My Former Self, both of which are fascinating and everyone should read. Like, the dude, you can tell from the lyrics, is a quick wit. Yeah. And he knows his way around a turn of phrase, and if you enjoy music memoirs, these are an excellent look at a period in UK alternative pop. Mm-hmm. And then in the second one, it's after he's famous. Oh. Like, it's all the stuff that happens. Post-Carter USM Yeah, fame. yeah. Oh, oh. yeah that's, that's a whole different thing. Yeah, 100%. Because it's like, there's one thing to dream about being famous and having that, like, slow build up to it and even, like, being a part of it. And a whole other thing to actually get that big fame where you're on tour and you're going to different countries and dealing with the pressure of that. Because it's like, 
we like to be like, oh yeah, we just listen to music for fun. But we do put a lot of pressure on the artists to actually produce something. Yeah. Like if Beyonce didn't come out with a record, I think it would be like a, hmm, what's going on here? But we'd also probably just let it happen because it's Beyonce. That was really bad. <laughs> Beyonce could get away with it. Yeah. Plus in um, UK alternative music, there's a lot more churn and burn. Yeah, that's true. Than Canadian bands. Yeah. Like Sloan mm-hmm. are playing to roughly the same size of crowds that they were 20 years ago. These guys put out five records in six years. Oh my god. And then the moment that they took a break, the music press turned on them. Oh no. And this is like the worst thing too. It's, I've always said this. Like I'm for being a musician myself, the reason I'm mostly like self-made music, like I do almost everything on my own is because I'm super scared about like one, it not coming out produced the way I want it to, like when I'm doing like the music recording and all of that and sounds different than I wanted it to. Or people just saying bad things about me, like Anytime there's like someone's like, do you want to do this gig? Sure. They could literally punch me in the face and I'd still be like, thanks for letting me come perform. Because I just don't want to have like a bad rap. I'm like so freaked out about that. Yeah, people need to know that you're easy to work with Mm -hmm. or else opportunities dry up. Mm -hmm. You want to have that pride in yourself where you're like, I know that I'm stronger than just getting punched in the face at a show and continuing on. But also... I don't want to not be able to pay my rent next month if I was, like, full-time just doing that. Which, thank God I'm not. (laughs) Can't do that. (laughs) No, that is very true. And yeah, bands like this that blow up for a couple or three years, and then what do you do? Yeah. Now, in this case, while reading his books, I dipped in and listened to Jim Bob's solo material. Was it good? Yeah, actually it was. It was really good. He he eventually settled down into, I'm only going to release a record when I actually have something that I want to say in music. Mm Mm-hmm. That, that makes sense. Yep. I feel like once you hit, like, because you, you get famous through Carter and the Unstoppable Sex Machine, and then you get, like, fall of that, but then you're like, you know what, I'll do some solo work, and that'll put you out there. But then once you have that, like, oh, he can do solo work, you just take your time. Yeah. You're allowed does, uh, to do that. He does solo work sometimes. He's written a few books. Obviously. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, he's written a couple of memoirs, but he also is a novelist. Oh. And I have yet to track down his novels. Is he writing under a pen name, or is it actually... Nope, it's Jim Bob. Oh, wow. Jim Bob, that's such a great name to use, too. So good. So good. It's because his actual last name is Morrison. (laughs) Okay. And I think you can't be called Jim Morrison if you're not in the doors. Yeah. (laughs) Once you hit, like, a certain thing of, like, oh, these are all the famous people, like, let's say your name is, like, something similar to Miley Cyrus, you can't really let yourself be called that. You have to either go with a stage name or something like that. Yeah, there's a significantly more famous Miley Cyrus out there than you. You get confused. Like Like how David Bowie had to pick his last name because his actual last name is Jones. (laughs) Oh, no. And that's one of the monkeys. Yeah. Uh, I feel like all the iconic names that don't make sense are picked because someone else who was already in a band had that name. I would not be surprised by yeah. that. Yeah. One of the few iconic names that probably isn't that is Courtney Taylor Taylor, though. You can't tailor often enough yeah. for Courtney Taylor Taylor. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of impossible. Courtney unless... will eventually be adding a third Taylor. Oh, <laughs> he'll find a way. <laughs> <laughs> and I am still kind of low-key convinced that... An alternate universe existed. <laughs> These are the three 90s. Yeah. <laughs> There's the 90s that actually happened. Okay, so our 90s. Yep. Quote we live unquote. in that timeline. Quote, unquote. There's the timeline where Riot Girl blew up instead of grunge. Oh, yeah, we've talked about that. Yep. 
There's the 90s where this blew up instead of grunge. Oh. This was the thing that was happening right before Nevermind came out. Okay. Punk bands with pop tunes and dance beats and yeah. samples. And there was these guys. There was Wonder Stuff. Jesus Jones and EMF had both had giant pop hits working a similar template. Yeah. And it all sounded very new and fresh and exciting and different from everything that had happened previous to it in the 80s. And I think it was the thing that was ramping up to be what the 90s sounded like. And then Nevermind came out. Nevermind killed a lot of bands. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) So bad, but also, like, it's hard to tell because you're like, okay, so if the music was different, like, if this was actually the music that came out and was big during the 90s, would the world be different today? I mean, musically, it certainly would. That's going to come down to your attitude toward the impact that um, art can have on a wider society. I feel like it has a huge impact as a art major. (laughs) Honestly, I could say that now. Holy shit. How does that feel? (laughs) Scary. Yeah. No, yeah. I signed my lease the other day and I was like, hey, I legally now live in a different place than my parents. What's happening? Right? So. You are venturing out on your own and having strange adventures. Yeah. And now you got to do every stupid thing that's put in front of you for the next six years. And then, and this is important, you have to stop. Yeah. 24 is the age where that stops <laughs> being charming. Then you get to your mid-20s and then your body gives out on you. That is correct. And then you become a fat bastard. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Tied it back. Don't I nail it. <laughs> And yeah, it probably would have had a cultural impact because I was saying before the show yesterday to your mom in response to something that there was an undercurrent of a kind of cynical nihilism that my generation grew up with. You don't think that this current generation has a lot of nihilism? Honestly. Not the kind of nihilism that comes from all of your creative heroes being on heroin, though. Oh, that's a good point. And most of them dying. Yeah. <laughs> that's a oh, whole different thing. We have more 80s frontmen than 90s frontmen alive in the world right now. That's scary. Heroin's a hell of a drug. Yeah. Stay away from drugs, kids. <laughs> well, stay away from heroin. <laughs> uh, no comment. <laughs> I am not associating myself with that comment. <laughs> well, you heard it here first. The soundtrack to a life's position... <laughs> Is stay away from heroin. Andy's position is no comment on whether or not you should stay away from heroin. No, I'm not saying that! You're not saying the words again! This is just like Fallout Boy all over again! Fuck! No, okay. Nope, we're switching to pun titles. Pun titles! So the pun yes. titles make me sad. Yes. <laughs> Surfing USM is excellent. Yeah. My second to last will and testament is excellent. Yeah. Sealed with a Glasgow kiss is excellent. Yeah. The title game on this record is very strong. Do you think Fall Out Boy took their inspiration from them? Because that's pretty likely, listening to the similarities to the titles, at least. I mean, this is the kind of thing that they could have been listening to in junior high. I know, right? Oh my god, Brother Carter is the junior high band for Fall Out Boy, and Fall Out Boy is the junior high band for me. All comes full circle. <laughs> right? All you need is a drum machine and some tapes. It's especially weird that all the titles are puns, as this is a song with multiple songs about alcoholism, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and one about racism in the UK military. Mm. This is a band that could do depth. Yeah. They just didn't feel like they had to. They were doing it in a way that's palatable for media to take it. Because they were obviously saying things with the themes of their songs, but like, I can't really think of anyone else who was like, 
Well, other than, like, let's say Riot Girl bands, they were, like, shouting it, and they were not being, like, they weren't tiptoeing around it, whereas these guys were like, okay, we want to talk about it, but we're going to do it in a way that people aren't going to immediately notice. It's only the people who really look into our stuff that see the true meaning of it. For nowadays, for music that I would listen to, I can relate that to, like, Grandson versus AJR, which are two very, like, they're very different styles. Grandson is a wonderful, like, techno-punk solo act. He's really amazing. Hasn't released a full album yet, that's why I haven't recommended him to you, but he's got EPs. And he's Canadian, too, so. But he, like, does songs that are all about what's going on with the media and mostly U.S. problems and all of that. He did a song right after, like, the Florida shooting and all that called Thoughts and Prayers talking about it. It's like, it's kind of bullshit if you say that. Getting a little political in here. I mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah just saying, like, you're not really helping by just saying something. That has yet to keep anyone getting shot, so um, maybe but then, like, try a different thing. Yeah, but then you listen to, like, AGR's music, who is, like, very on mainstream, like, radio and all of that. They did, like, a song with Rivers Kumo and all that. One of their songs kind of talks about it's like, oh, maybe I'll, like, start a protest on Twitter or something or do something like that. They're talking about similar things as Grandson, but they're not as blunt about it, which I feel like is similar to Carter USM and the Riot Girl bands and other punk bands of that time that were, like, Carter was very... They found a way to make it compatible, whereas the other ones were just like, I don't care if you like it or not, this is what I'm going to say. Yeah. Carter were a pop-punk band that believed things and wrote songs about that, whereas the Riot girl bands, a lot of the time, the things they believed were front and center. And the songs served that. Yeah. Understandably. Like, I don't know. I love punk girl bands. Who doesn't? Yeah. Who doesn't? Like, that's, that's the coolest stuff. But, like, listening to Carter, I could definitely be able to hear them like mainstream radio like some of their songs are like they seem happy enough for that because mainstream radio is blinding themselves from terrors of the world by only playing poppy music or extremely depressing music so you can cry about the terrors of the world yeah and this actually did okay on the radio nice in the uk yeah it left no footprint in canada which is like the sad thing this is one of the uk-based indie bands that i listened to on cjsw at midnight till two in the morning on that slot a lot of my musical taste was informed by that, and if that DJ is out there, thank you for informing my musical taste. CJSW is really cool with their like, spread of stuff. I don't tune into the radio a lot, personally, because I just... It's radio. It's something weird, but as someone who's been on CJSW radio and all of that, and talked to one of the radio anchors, DJs, something... It's cool, and, like, I know someone who made a whole, like, segment about cool classical music that you can listen to now that isn't, that's kind of similar to pop music, but still classical-themed. Yeah. So it was like, oh, wow, that's, like, they have a nice variety of things. You wouldn't think a random person who was chosen because of their willing to work unpaid would make for a satisfying listen. But, you know... But, like, when it hits, it hits so hard, and it's perfect. Part of me is like, I'm gonna go check out the radio station that you left and be like, hey... You need someone to curate music? Because I'm a music student. (laughs) They'll let you. Yeah, yeah. And then you have your own show. Yeah. And then you can bring your weird punk aesthetic and (laughs) force it on the people of Lethbridge. (laughs) And then some random junior high kid is going to hear it. will take all of their taste in music from you and then track you down at the HMV (laughs) that you work at. HMVs don't really exist anymore. Oh, yeah. Sunrise Records. Sunrise Records. (laughs) Does, do Sunrise Records hire one random punk chick? I fucking hope so. Because <laughs> HMV have... always did, and it was always exactly one. Yeah, one singular. Well, a hot topic. How about we do that? So there can be multiple Solid. punk chicks, but like we all have our different traits. Perfect. 
I feel like, yeah. And yeah, this did all right in the UK success-wise. This reached number eight on the UK album chart. It was eventually certified gold for 100,000 copies sold. Holy shit. Uh, The singles Anytime, Anyplace, Anywhere and Blood Sport for All (laughs) were big indie chart hits, although they only wound up hitting 83 and 48 on the UK singles chart. Mm-hmm. And they're both fucking dope singles. Really are. Honestly, any song from this album could be good. I do feel like the shoppers one I could hear in a shopping mall. Ooh, I would that shop would... at that mall. Such a meta thing. <laughs> I would shop at the '90s punk mall. Yeah, that sounds like such a fun mall to shop at. Yeah. It's just hot topics. Um, shortly after this came out, re-released versions of two of their very early singles, mm-hmm. uh, "Sheriff Fat Man" and "Are You Bbish." <laughs> would both hit the top 20, nice. hitting numbers 11 and 14, because this was the band on the upswing. A year after this came out, they were having top 10 singles and number one albums and headlining Glastonbury and blowing every penny that they were paid for festival appearances. On heroin. On inc- no. <laughs> oh. That's why they're still alive. Oh! <laughs> increasingly large um, walls of lights. <laughs> for their shows? Yeah. Oh, so like, Behind them. like Queens if, of the Stone Age yeah, style. Yeah. Like okay. if they were paid £100,000 to do a festival appearance, £100,000 worth of light show. I mean, I mean. To distract you from the fact that this truly, truly is only two dudes. <laughs> I can't see. <laughs> I'm going into seizure mode. How many people are on stage? I don't know. I'm having a seizure. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Three? I don't know. I mean, like, it sounds like a band that could do it in three, but I know a lot of two pieces that, like, can do a lot of stuff on their, like, recorded songs, do a lot of extra stuff. So it's like, it makes sense that it's only a two piece. It's it's fooling you. It's like, haha, bitch, you thought. Yeah, yeah. They would eventually add a live drummer. They would eventually swell to a seven piece. Whoa. <laughs> but uh, I, I kind of like the, like, scrappy two piece, like the, DIY minimalist yeah. aesthetic being presented here. Well, there's always, like, a niceness to it where you're, like, the more people there is, the less plausible it seems that you can do it yourself. So one piece, you're, like, okay, like, Eden. Let's say Eden. He's one person doing all of these cool things with music on his own, probably with, like, three different pedals and just messing around in the recording studio. That seems plausible for someone like me, who just has a ukulele and, like, two pedals. Yeah. I could do that. But, like, when you get to seven people, you're like, I don't know how to have a trumpet player. I don't want to talk to trumpet players. Why is there a trumpet player in your band? I mean, sometimes you need a trumpet player in your band. Sometimes you don't, though. Have you met a trumpet player? I saw a terrific trumpet player Mm. (laughs) in Vancouver the other day. Okay. uh, As a member of the band James. Okay. Yeah. Seeing them is different. Oh, yeah, no. Interacting with them. Yeah. uh, No offense, but... Fuck you, trumpet players. Okay, but if it weren't for trumpet players, where would we get ska bands? Trombone. You, you Imagine full... how interesting that'd be. Or French horn. But you need the full section. Do you? Yes. If you only have a trombone, then you only have low end. No. If you I... only have saxophone, then you sound like an 80s band, whether you want to or not. You sound like your own careless whisper, no matter what you do. That is correct. You need multiple horns for a proper So a French horn and a trombone. That way you had the high uh, end and the low end. You don't need a trumpet. 
I think it's just the fact that trumpets are so, like, important in musical society now is the problem that makes everyone who touches a trumpet an automatic asshole. Man! Where are we coming down editorially on trumpets all of a sudden? Listen, six years of being a band student, having spread my wings across all forms of woodwind, brass, strings, a little bit of percussion, jazz, classical choir, I hate trumpet players. No matter what, it's always, like, there is at least one trumpet player who is a dick. Fair enough! (laughs) You heard it here first. No comment about whether or not you do have one. But if you play trumpet, you are a dick. (laughs) No, I'm not going to say what I just thought. (laughs) Um, And this was recorded on a better budget than their previous record, but not even by, like, that much. They had 20 days to put this record together. With, That's scary. With a budget of 4,000 pounds. Like, 20 days without the songs already written? I assume that they had written the songs already. Oh, okay. Because you can write songs anywhere. You can write songs at home. You can write songs Yeah, well, like, I'm just thinking because it's 20 like, days in the studio. Yeah, okay, 20 days in the studio makes sense, but 20 days having to write songs and record it all, that freaks me out. Like, GRCC puts you under pressure to write a song in a week, and you have four other people helping you. If there's just two of you for 20 days writing a whole album, I'm pretty sure I'd have a mental breakdown. True. But, in this case, it's two people who like each other and have worked together for, like, ten years. Nice. What's that so like? It's, like, <laughs> so it's, like? it's more you and a long-standing partner working very quick. Kind of similar to the thing that Elton John had with three the strangers. guy. It's kind of similar to the Elton John thing with the guy who wrote the song. Yeah, with Bernie Chauvin. Yeah, forgot his name uh, for a hot second. They know how to work together yeah. really well. They've been doing it for fucking ever. I really wish I could get to... I, I saw Rocket Man once, and now I'm like... Elton John is pretty amazing. And I didn't realize I knew so many of his songs. Elton John. He's in everything. Elton John was very good. He was very good and he was very big and he was in everything from my childhood. And I shouldn't say was. He still is. Oh, he still very is very good, but he's on his goodbye tour now. So it's like, he's not doing anything. Whatever. Wrong. Cher retires every three years. Ooh. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's true. It's <laughs> She's true. been in a state of constant retirement since 2002. Oi. Although, What's that like? <laughs> It involves a lot of touring. Yeah, apparently. From what I gather. I hope that we get some more Elton John music in this world. Please. Elton John in the 70s was one of the most interesting and vivid artists of that decade. Mm-hmm. And then you can have your opinions about his work in the 80s or 90s. And then in the 2000s when he stopped caring whether he would ever be on the radio again. Yeah. Got real interesting. Again. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like the Lion King soundtrack was pretty good. Yeah. So, like, props to him for that. And then, like... Like, my big exposure to him was, like, Lion King and then Ella Enchanted. Because mm. Don't Go Breaking My Heart and then Moulin Rouge as a child, which was a whole thing to watch as a child. I think Moulin Rouge is the... Your childhood is the best age to watch it. Mm. Here's the thing. As a child... You don't know You don't unpack how truly, truly thin a movie this is. It's just, Good point. it looks Ooh, great. look, they're singing and dancing. It looks great and it's really fun. And then you cry. No, even now, as like a full, almost grown adult, I cry at the end of my life. Despite the fact that I'm like, you know what? Looking at the characters, this is fucking weird. But oh my god, what did you have tonight? Right? Even though they told you in the very first line. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I just forget because I'm stupid. <laughs> You know. Uh, my buddy Dan texted me after watching the Elton John movie. Mm-hmm. Having watched the Elton John movie and the Freddie Mercury movie, I have to say, the quality of the extended glam rock singer from the 70s universe movies 
are widely varied. Well, and okay. I texted back, ooh, who's playing Brian Ferry for that? <laughs> and who's the bad guy that they all have to get together to fight? Richard Madden. Ooh, I wouldn't say no. I know, right? My friends make fun of me because I'm like, Richard Madden's kind of cute. He's kind of cute. Just my opinion. Right. I mean, Game of Thrones, come on. <laughs> Everyone loves Game of Thrones until the last season. I didn't hate the last season. Controversial opinion. Didn't right. hate it. All right. I really enjoyed it. But no, with I, I have to talk about this a lot because a lot of people are like, oh, Bohemian Rhapsody is so much better than Rocketman. They're two completely different movies. Yeah. One from the standpoint of the plot, first of all. And second of all, Bohemian Rhapsody is a biopic with music accompanying it. Rocketman is a musical biopic. They're two very different things. Bohemian Rhapsody, they have the music, like, it's all Queen-related, blah, blah, blah. Like, it's just music, and they're showing important moments from their lives. Whereas Rocketman, you watch him go through his life, even though it may not be chronological in the order of how the songs were released, he still sings songs that help transition into things that talk about what he was doing at that life, in that yeah, it's life. Yeah, it's not a movie about the songs. It's, the it's songs, songs that, that help the yeah, movie. Which I personally enjoy a little more. I'm kind of a musical geek. And, like, I cried a lot during that, like, not expecting it to be that much. But it was so funny. My parents were like, oh, well, we'll go as a whole family. And I was like, are you sure Max wants to see a movie about a guy who was famous in the 70s? And they're like, I don't, Max didn't even know who it was. And I was like, well, it was fun. But mom was like, it appeals to both of your qualities. You guys are both gay and you're musicians. And I was like, thanks, mom. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. Pretty sure you're a third thing. Yeah. But, okay. <laughs> sure, mom. <laughs> we're doing only those two things. Yeah. But no, it was funny. Yeah. But I really enjoyed it. I'd love to see a biopic about Carter, the unstoppable sex machine. I would find that very interesting. Yeah. I feel like the number of people who would line up for that on opening night would not be equal to the number of Queen fans in the world. Understandable, but, but I'd like go to that limit, on opening night. Yeah, like as a limited run yeah. type thing, in the same way 24-hour party people. I'm sure there weren't that many Madchester fans compared to Elton John fans on yeah. Earth, but that movie was dope. I mean, like, you got movies like... I don't know. I really like musician biopics because it allows me to look at what not to do when I get famous. <laughs> yeah, that's why I've been reading biographies while listening to bands catalogs recently. I have both of the Jim Bob from Carter ones. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be listening to the Everything But the Girl catalog while nice. reading Tracy Thorne's biography. This did slay critically when it came out. Yeah, uh, I'm not New surprised. Mus New Musical Express gave it a 10 out of 10 review saying... This brilliant, bold record will still be among the best 10 albums of the year come the end of 91. Testimony to how Carter, the unlikely lads of the past two years, have nailed down their instinctive field of pop with a hook, line, and a point of view. Nice. New Musical Express and Melody Maker both included it in their year-end best-of list. Nice. And I do actually think this was one of them. This is probably, if I had to list the top 10 records from 1991 that I still listen to. Probably up there. Yeah, it's very much in the mix. I feel like... I'm too young to have anything like that right now. Yeah, you don't have opinions on 1991. No, not 1991 specifically. I'm saying to have a top 10 record list for a year. No, yeah, you... I'm too young. And also my music taste is too crazy to fully actually... Yeah, 30-year-old you... Maybe. ...has opinions on the 10 best records from this year that you have not, at your 30 -year -old age, me will fully have... fleshed out yet. 30-year-old me will have a microphone and sit in my kitchen recording version two of this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> All right. You heard it here first. Yeah. Uh, Soundtrack to a life two. <laughs> the younger years. <laughs> yeah. Andy is inheriting this podcast upon my death. Wonderful. <laughs> Let's hope that's not for a while. I am not ready. No, you have to <laughs> really get through your music hipster phase, your classic rock phase, and then really ease your way into nostalgia. So like, a show like this. 
me three months ago when I was enjoying Jonas Brothers and their 2007 music. Oh, so much Jonas Brothers. Listen, their new album wasn't that bad. Jonas Brothers, they're not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> they never were. They just broke up because they're fucking brothers in a band. Yeah, that has to be Family bands doesn't, family bands will never work out. So, Dad, sorry, if you want to be in a band with me, I have to say no. no. Um, Mystery Jets, mm -hmm. one of the people in that band is the dad of one of the other people in that band. But, like, I just feel like, personally, you have to, first of all, have your family stuff, plus the stress of being famous, plus the stress of having to produce stuff. Like, there's so much extra stress, and, like, not all families are perfect and can handle being very stressed at a very good time. And, like, if I know anything about myself, I'd probably lash out. So if anyone in my family was in a band with me, that would not end well. That would not be ideal. Hence the reason why I do a lot of solo work. Because I don't work well with people. <laughs> so this is uh, this band is the reason that I like uh, 21 Pilots. What version of 21 Pilots do you like? I like the one that is two dudes who look like they're squeegee punks. <laughs> who play punk rock guitars over drum machine dance they beats. They don't, though. <laughs> <laughs> it's a drummer and a bassist slash guitarist. Lame. I never see them. Good point. They they came to Calgary back in spring, and uh, all my friends were like, oh my god, are you going to 20 Pilots? And I'm like, I like one of their albums, and it was their second album, and that was when they peaked for me. Yeah. I like that they look like a band that I like. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> see, see, aesthetically, they're very pleasing to look at. Yeah, yeah. They're exactly <laughs> what a punk band ought to look new, like. No, hot, hot, hot opinion here. Their new album sucks. Are we not uh, on the train? Well, okay, so, like, I got introduced to them with their Blurry Face album because that, it was, like, all the rage on the radio. Yeah, you know? that song was fucking Yeah, heavy. and I was like, okay, this is really good. And then I got listening to their um, Vessel album, and Blurry Face... I still have Blurry Face in, like, my music, but Vessel I listen to constantly and cry to. Like, I actually enjoy the music. I feel the emotions with it. And it's just... It has so much more sentimental value i think in the actual like you can hear how much these songs mean to them whereas you get past like even if you go into the blurry face album you're like they just sound bored and they they do it for the popularity even though their music says they're not doing it for the popularity you sons of bitches you lied right to my face there's more of than two of you and you're doing things for <laughs> no, the popularity no, 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 there's two of them it's just a drummer there's no drum pad it's an actual drummer and then someone who plays guitar and bass yeah. so it's it's not two guitarists, unfortunately. Well, they cut the silhouette that I want out of a pump. Yeah, yeah. It was a good silhouette. Oh. There's so many not good silhouettes. No. So what do you figure? Anytime, anyplace, anywhere, or Bloodsport for All? Bloodsport for All. Yeah? Personally. Bloodsport for All is such a good scream along. Yeah. You can yeah. howl that song out of yeah. the car window at high speed. I feel like, yeah. I feel like, honestly, it's easier Personally, it's an easier song to scream to. Like, I couldn't scream to it. But, like, I found myself enjoying that one a bit more than any place, anywhere, anytime. Words. Don't. <laughs> Too many words. Fair enough. Fair enough. And this was about where they found, um, I mean, kind of on their first one, too. Mm -hmm. But all of their records for their first, like, five mm -hmm. have the same... Vibe? General shape. Yeah. There's, like, an instrumental track. Yeah. They're... Are the couple of big singles, a number of like pun titles, yeah, and then you add on a weird Broadway ballad number, yeah, uh, the way that you want, yeah, from a yeah. punk band, yeah, <laughs> you know, just just normal punk things, just like normal punk you listen things. to Fall Boy, Broadway and you're like, numbers, yeah, instrumental, 
Puns. Fall Out Boy, Actually, when's your instrumental track? Where uh, is it, Fall Out Boy? Oh, man. Give me it. Who would even make it? They're so pretty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. Oh. I almost died listening to this record one time. Why? Uh, the fuck? <laughs> I mean, I almost die every day because I'm stupid, but you know. <laughs> electric lawnmower with an extension cord ah. and not paying attention because you have headphones on and are listening to Carter the Unstoppable Sex Machine. Uh-oh. And because it is the early 90s. Mm-mm. Uh, and the lawnmower is pretty old. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, which is how I can absolutely tell you, having had both of these experiences, having the last thing that you do in this world be listening to this one Carter the Unstoppable Sex Machine record is better than having the last thing that you do in this world be watching season one of Westworld, which is what I did before I went to the hospital with a collapsed lung. I mean, you want to go out with a soundtrack, don't you? Yeah. So like, you this... always imagine, like, soundtrack to your life. Ha ha ha. <laughs> Roll credits. Soundtrack to your death. <laughs> yeah, like, honestly, much like Fall Boy, good music to die to. Yeah. I can, yeah, I can say... Having listened to this while <laughs> almost dying and having watched season one of Westworld while almost dying, Carter the Unstoppable Sex Machine is better than the TV series Westworld. If you're a Westworld fan, listen to this. It'll be better. <laughs> I have not watched Westworld. I could. I don't care. <laughs> it's still fine. Just watch it maybe while not dying. I, I guess that's a, a thing, I think. Just I mean, don't cross over to those pearly gates and be asked, so what did you do with the last moments of your life? I watched a full season of Westworld. How was it? Dragged a little in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I, I get that. I, I totally get that. Um, I don't know. I don't want to die, like... I watch BuzzFeed Unsolved, like the nerd I am. And I love spooky shit. Like, spooky shit's my whole jam. I was born in October. Of course I'm going to love spooky shit. I'm legally required to love spooky shit. Feels good. So, for me, it's a whole thing of, like, I watched BuzzFeed Unsolved, and apparently there's this guy, they were in a house that was owned by a guy who died while playing piano, and I'm like, I'd want to die in the middle of a concert. Just to, like, collapse to the floor and, like, pant for a couple seconds and then just stop and see if people were, like, like, as a ghost, see if people were still clapping afterwards to see if they really enjoyed it. Nice. And then see everyone panic because they just watched a person die. I love that you believe that there is some chance that they would not. Uh, like, yeah. you finish your piano solo, collapse back onto the thing, die. The entire audience goes, well, I'm not going to applaud this. It's not like she can hear me. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, like, they would applaud. And then they'd stop. And they're like, oh. Does she want more applause? Yeah, yeah! I want to see if they uh, go for that second applause. How long you could milk it. How long my death would milk it for people. <laughs> Just like clapping for three hours being like, should we call someone? <laughs> Probably. I can't feel my hands anymore. Yeah. Judging by the number of artists who put out like two good records and then passed away. <laughs> you can milk a well-timed death for a long time. Mm -hmm. Which is a dark note to end on, but I think it is where we're going to end it. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> I mean, it's fitting for the next album we have to talk about. Real good. So, like in every episode of this show, we're ending with three questions. Mm -hmm. Andy, y'all gonna listen to 30-something by Carter the Unstoppable oh, Sex definitely. Machine again? It's on my road trip playlist now. Hooray, they're so fun. Yeah. You ever want to uh, follow these guys further? Kind of, yeah. Solid. All of their first 
three or four three, albums. Four or five. <laughs> yeah. Uh, their first one was very low budget. This is the one on their way up. The one after this is like their peak thing. Uh, 1992, the Love album Ooh. is them as bona fide pop stars. Nice. The one after that is them intentionally sabotaging their career. I love that. I love they when artists do that. Did not care for being pop stars. And the one after that is them realizing that they still have mortgages. True punk. Having sabotaged <laughs> True punk. Yeah. Fuck this. But oh, shit. I got to pay my rent. <laughs> all of them are just like... Back when being fun. a bona fide pop star didn't fully pay your mortgage off for you. Yeah. Although, like, now you can have one hit with Billy Ray Cyrus and you suddenly never have to work again. And you also come out as gay right after that. That's like a whole thing. Do it. Do it. <laughs> yeah, he pointed out that the aesthetic... Jim Bob in his book pointed out... The aesthetic where, oh, I'll never sell out. I'll <laughs> never let my music be used in a commercial. <laughs> was a thing that musicians could say back when you sold actual albums. <laughs> yeah, not so much anymore. Like, it's easy to say, my music will never be in a commercial when 100,000 people paid full price for your record. Mm-hmm. And you get a touch of that money. Sorry, Jim Bob, I didn't even pay full price for your record. I didn't even pay for your record. That's not how that goes. Mm-mm. You get it on Spotify now. Mm-hmm. I got the deluxe version if, of your record if you decide, on Spotify. Yeah, if you decide you want to kick an artist money, <laughs> buy t-shirts off his website. Honestly, I'd rather do that. Yeah. Shirts are like usable and stuff. I can't yeah. use a CD. I don't have a CD player. No. Buy his book. He'll sign it for you if you ask. Ooh. Right? I'll have to do that. And if we had to pick one song to close the episode on, what would you pick? Obviously, Bless for it. Done. Yeah. This has been the soundtrack to a line. Follow along on Facebook and Twitter at SoundtrackCast, SoundtrackCast.com. Like us, share us, rate us, review us. Five-star reviews are always appreciated. Four-star reviews are weird. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Three-star reviews are super weird. No-star reviews are just cruel. No-star reviews are cruel. But, like, if you're listening to a podcast and just furious, I understand why you would do it. I don't... How do you... If you like it a three-star amount... How did you open up your laptop and log on to your... Uh... Enough to give it a review. That's <laughs> Like, you're either all the way or not. Yes. Commit! <laughs> Andy, plug your things. The Andy Band at Bandcamp.com. I also have an Instagram now, the.andyband uh, on Instagram. I maybe post stuff there, and maybe you'll hear about when my EP fucking comes out, if it will. We never know anymore. That EP's gonna come out. Eventually. Yeah. <laughs> maybe Christmas. It's a race against time, to be honest. Yeah. Not to break the this-is-happening-live magic of podcasting. Yeah. I do these in batches, and then they yeah. come out staggered. Yeah. So we're going to see if that EP is out by the time... It comes out. This If it is, it'll be linked, hopefully. It will be. Uh, this has been the soundtrack to a life, y'all. We're going to be back with two weeks, and we're going to also be talking about a punk band, because that's one of the main things that we talk about, to be honest. Yeah. Bye. Bye.